What's going on guys? Welcome back to the Run Free Podcast. This is episode number 28 and we are in for a real treat today because we have Sarah with us. Hello. (laughs) Oh man, we're excited uh, to chat with Sarah. It's a rare treat to get to chat with uh, someone at her level on race week. Usually people are not coming out of their bedrooms except for to run. So thank you for taking the time to chat with us on your Olympic trials marathon weeks there. It's a pleasure. <laughs> I have inside privileges. All right. So anyway, <laughs> let's, uh, let's hop right into it. What I kind of thought would be fun to chat about is uh, something that, you know, everyone who races goes through and that is pre-race kind of nerves, jitters, and especially that taper time can be a really tricky time, uh, mentally speaking. So I'd love to dive into your approach, how you handle it, things you like to do during taper week. And then obviously we'll hop into the race a little bit and get into just kind of some things you want to be thinking about out there and um, what's going to be kind of going on in your head and heart. It's, uh, I know, exciting to hear what's going on inside of athletes that we watch on television and you always kind of wonder what they're thinking in those moments so i'm excited to hop into all of that so let's just start off with um actually i want to start off with this question because i want you to think about it and i haven't prepped there on any of these questions by the way so these are all the first time she's heard them but uh so i'll start with is a question for you to think about during this podcast and you are going to give us the answer at the end of the podcast and so this question is do you, any of you guys who are fans of the sport we've all watched races right i'm always even as an athlete like i know what i want people usually yelling at me when i'm out on the race course racing but sometimes when i'm actually on the side of the road yelling for my athletes or um, other athletes i can't think of what to cheer or i'll like think about something really i think is gonna be really good really inspiring to cheer then they come by and it happens so fast and i'm just like go run fast and it ends up not being all that inspiring as you can attest to sarah's smiling right now because she's experienced this firsthand for me but anyways the first question i want you to think about is I think all of us, there's going to be a lot of people who listen to this podcast, a lot of the Run Free community is actually going to be in Atlanta. So for us who are in Atlanta, what can we yell at you specifically that would be the most helpful and encouraging? So that's the question we're going to pose from the beginning, and we'll get your response at the end. Now, the first real question, um, just kick things off. How are you feeling right now? How are you feeling internally? Um, you know, you can talk about how you're feeling physically if you want to, but I'm more interested in like, and I think our listeners are more interested in what's going on inside of Sarah. We are, let's say Monday, I'm going to release this on Wednesday. So what's going on six days, um, actually five days out before the Olympic trials? Um, I'm feeling good. Yeah. I, um, I definitely feel like the intensity of the moment approaching. So it's something I like. I'm thinking about a lot the race, but um, but I have like good thoughts and feelings about it. It's not like a dread feeling. It's like an excitement, um, and I feel good physically. I'm at sea level, and I've spent very little time at sea level this buildup, and no time running anything flat at sea level besides Houston half and the couple days before that race. 
So it feels really good to be just uh, have oxygen and flat road. Um, I ran six minute pace for my cool down today without trying, <laughs> which is a good sign because just feeling like, wow, it's just so much easier than s running cliffs every single day at altitude. So that's, that's nice. And I was on the bike in front of Sarah, wagging my finger at her, trying to get her to slow down the whole cool yes. down. I've been the governor. <laughs> but I actually, I secretly like it on the inside when she's like this, when I can tell she's feisty and just flying along without trying. That's always a good sign. So I'm like half joking, but also half serious because I don't want her to get carried away on taper. <laughs> um, and yeah, so for you guys who don't know, like the Olympic trials is in Atlanta on Saturday and super hilly course. So that's why Sarah's saying that we haven't done anything flat this buildup's just all been up and down crazy hills because um the trials course in atlanta is like two and a half times the elevation gain and loss of boston so it's gonna be a, a big big uh uphill and downhill course so we are well prepared for that but it does feel nice to now get the legs flat so um i'm curious you mentioned how you're feeling now i'd like to rewind to your first olympic trials in 2004 you were at Stanford at the time. It's in Sacramento. You're on the track 5K, right? Yeah. So can you contrast like how you're feeling now? So this is your six Olympic trials. Am I correct? Uh, probably. Between the track yeah. and marathon, I believe. Okay. I believe I'm right in that. This is your six Olympic trials. So compare how you felt in that first one and how you feel now, and how you can kind of look back and see like, whoa, I've grown so much in this area. I'd be really curious, like, what you feel like you've grown in. Yeah, well, 2004, I was a junior in college, and the two years before that, I had qualified for the U.S. National, um, like, professional USATF track championships, and the year before, um, I had convinced the coaches to, I didn't want to run, <laughs> even though I'd qualified, because I was just so tired at the end of the year. And I was just like dragging, because it's a long year as a collegiate. You have cross country, straight into indoor, straight into outdoor. And I was really trying to like be competitive at the top of all of those. And so it's just on top of academic load and having a boyfriend that, you know, drained me quite a bit. It was super attractive <laughs> and totally worth it in every way. It was just like a lot to juggle and I just always felt by the time NCAAs hit, like, and we always, we were on quarters at Stanford, so it was like, we were always doing finals the exact day of the NCAA championship, like prelim and final. We'd be like taking a final, getting on the bus to go to the race. Like it was just, I was just done usually. And so, so the year before I'd, I'd convinced them to not let me. And then, and then the year of the trials, it was even later. It was like end of July. And I was like, I don't want to run the trials. And they're like, you have to run the trials like you qualified like yeah. you can't just not run the trials who says that i don't want to run the trials <laughs> i qualified but i don't want to run i was like I, my legs just felt so heavy on runs like i just it was like classic overtraining just like your quads just feeling like dead and um i was like sleeping on my my college roommates like futon because like stanford like couldn't house us in the in the training up to the trials from when school ended. I don't know, that's probably changed now, but at the time, like, they couldn't. So I was, like, sleeping on this, like, too short futon, and it was hot, and, like, it was just not ideal. So I was just trying to to make it there by that point. And in the race, I was just trying to survive, honestly. Like, I made the final, and then 
I was just like trying to run solid. So I think I ended up like 12th or something in the 5K. Um, and like, I was probably the happiest person in the race <laughs> to just be done with that race. <laughs> All right, that's interesting. So, so you probably weren't nervous going into that race, I'm guessing. I was kind of nervous because I just like didn't feel good at all. So uh -huh. that's never a good feeling. So you get more nervous when you're not feeling good than when you're feeling good? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. So let's speak to that. When you're not feeling good and you're nervous, how do you handle that? Because I think we've uh, all gone to the starting line in that situation. I know I, I have and I know a lot of our listeners have. So yeah. how do you deal with that? Yeah, I deal with it a lot because I train through a lot of races. I race a lot during the year and... Most of them you have to train through if you really want to nail it at a couple goal races. So, um, so for sometimes I'm like, you know, the couple days before the race, I'm like, have the monkey mind going and and like for example, say the U.S. 10K Championships this last year, like I had really trained through that one because I really wanted to uh, run a fast half the next month, and that was kind of my main goal. So I was like, 10K will be a good tune-up, but I'm not gonna be able to like be fresh for it like I need to train through it and uh, I just remember feeling terrible a couple of runs a couple of days before the race and like just in being in the hotel room to you being like why did you let me run this like this is gonna be horrible like don't ever let me do this again like all these thoughts and you were like you just need to like get to the line like you're a competitor and you'll your body will know what to do when you get to that point and you'll have more in there than you thought like if you just get to the line so that's kind of a phrase I use for myself a lot is like just get to the line because um, you do once you get out there and you have the endorphins and the excitement and it's different from training so um, and when you like to compete like I do like that's fun and then I've I think also just like uh, taking the pressure off negative pressure so I've really learned in my career how to um, like I, there was a time where I was really like getting bogged down by negative pressure and, and fearing failure in races, not enjoying races, uh, being worried about letting others down and their expectations and things like that. And I've, I've really gotten freed up from a lot of that. Um, really, it was in 2010 when God just did some things in my heart, kind of bringing me to like the rock bottom where my performances were like hitting rock bottom um, was kind of how... He, you, he got a hold of me in that time and, and really um, showed me his unconditional love and how it didn't matter how I performed and, and how I, I was performing for love when I didn't need to do that. And, uh, and just some other things he did during that time that just shifted everything for me, that um, just brought a whole new freedom to my perspective. And um, and has allowed me to kind of really enjoy competing more and more each year to the point where, yeah, if I'm going into a race not feeling good, I can still um, have a lot of freedom and excitement for the race and, and shift my perspective to a positive perspective. Yeah, we were kind of talking about that the other <laughs> night about um, how it's nice to have supportive people, but then sometimes that can feel like pressure, you know, like, like you're mentioning, like you feel like you have to perform for them. So, um, or... It's more like we were saying you don't want to let people down, you know? So how's your approach to that, kind of this buildup, knowing that, like, you do have a lot of people who are pulling for you, and how do you just, I don't know, uh, how do you tackle that in your own mind about 
you know, not see, choosing not to see it as like these are people I'm trying to not let down, and cho- and choosing to see it in more of a positive light. Yeah, I think any any scenario you can see through the lens of love or fear. So that's like seeing through the lens of love is like, wow, I feel so loved and supported by like so many people, like my you know my circle, my close circle of like my kids that really believe in me and have been praying for me. And my husband, obviously, that's sacrificed so much and served me so much in this buildup. Um, and then going out from there, you know, our parents that have watched the girls at times for us or, um, you know, just fans that are anonymous, but um, like on social media that are cheering for me and stuff. You know, all of that, you can see that as, wow, like what a, a gift to feel so much love from so many people. Or you can see it as through fear, which is like, what if I let them down kind of thing. So I just, I think it's just a shift of kind of choosing love over fear that has to be kind of, a, that has to be something you practice. It has to, I think it's something that comes from being really rooted in God's love for you that kind of allows you to see things more that way automatically. Yeah, it's like it, if God is love and you say you're following God, then... Yeah, when you have those paths, love or fear, you're following God when you follow love, right? Yeah, the more full of God you are, the more full of love you'll yeah, be. Yeah, I love that. Well, that's a really good thing to think about during taper week because fear can be such a prevalent thing in that week, you know? And that was that kind of leads into my next question. So let's talk about, I know, <laughs> I come, I'm kind of laughing at asking this question because I think about how bad I was at tapering like Sarah was the one who was always like reining me in mentally because I was like losing my mind usually because <laughs> the workouts let's talk about workouts on taper week and your experience with workouts and I feel like it's different every single buildup like sometimes I feel phenomenal I've had I swear like running two miles at marathon pace like I could never do that three days before the race and I would just always be like going mental that day <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about how you handle some of those taper workouts where you're like, you don't feel that great. And you've had really good taper workouts this time around, but I'm sure you can reflect back on times when you didn't feel so good in, in taper workouts and still had really great races. So how do you handle kind of those taper workouts when maybe you're not feeling quite as good as you would have hoped to have felt? Yeah, I think, um, I think a lot of times why I in the past felt like didn't feel good was like you expect them to be easier. And I think anytime you expect something to be easy, it's not. So even a race, like if you go into it expecting it like not to hurt or something for whatever reason that is, like there's a good chance it's going to feel a lot more uncomfortable. But if, which is kind of a balance, right? Because it's like you don't want to have it be a self-fulfilling prophecy if you're like, this is going to be really like painful too. And then like (laughs) what you expect also shapes like what you feel too. But, But I think like as far as like, those workouts it's like the goal is still to to stress your body to a certain extent so it shouldn't feel like um it it shouldn't be like you're jogging out there so i think sometimes it's it's just like having a different like i'm usually really aggressive in workouts normally in training so it's like trying to keep a bit of that same posture where you're not like on your heels like breaking but you're still like leaning into it leaning forward and aggressive so yeah i think that in the past is i know in college like i was like 
the resistant like <laughs> workout person like the last few weeks so I always felt like we didn't taper enough compared to what I would do before and I'd always be like the one like breaking as everyone's like crushing the last interval or something and I would just be like no like and it would feel so much harder because you're like you don't want to be running fast you kind of have to lean into it a mm -hmm. little bit yeah and I think especially like those on race week those workouts like early on in the week where you can like kind of put the pedal to the metal a little bit more and and be okay with it. I know that was really helpful for me when I was tapering too is like we'd always run one last hard 800 at the end and I wouldn't be afraid to like l open it up a little bit you know just to um, remember what it feels like to hurt a little bit and have that mentality you're talking about of like that posture of like still engaging still like going after it and not like you're trying to not work hard but rather you're like going after something you know mm -hmm. um, yeah yeah so guys i think the big thing the big takeaway there is just like don't read into those taper workouts too much like like remembering i think it's really helpful if you remember look back through your training logs which is why we always like to keep track of training so you can look back and you can remember those big workouts because those were the workouts where really showed your fitness during taper week you can only kind of screw yourself up by going too hard and trying to prove things in training but it is a balance there of like wanting to also keep your legs firing and feeling good and staying snappy you know um but we definitely realize how challenging that that can be to do those last couple workouts before your races um so what what tell, tell us this what do you like to do what activities outside of running how do you like to spend your time during taper week to kind of put yourself like mentally emotionally spiritually kind of in that sweet spot yeah i think it's kind of a combination of like mindless activities where you can just turn your mind off and then like maybe it's like watching a movie or you know which i don't have a lot of time to do normally <clears throat> in my lifestyle with kids and stuff so that's kind of a treat um but then also some things where you can like engage your mind like you don't want to just be like like binging on netflix like all day that just feels kind of gross so <laughs> i like to like listen to podcasts or like maybe you have to do interviews or i don't know some things that like or maybe you're writing or something that kind of engages your brain in like a good way that's relaxed and isn't just focused on the race um and I think spending time with people that love you unconditionally and have good energy and um, that you feel relaxed with is, is good. But um, but sometimes like you don't want to be having like family reunions for like days leading up to the race or something. Like it's nice to have kind of quiet time too. And so yeah, it's, it's kind of an art. You kind of figure out through your other races what things work. Yeah, <laughs> when you're talking, it reminded me of uh something Irv Ray told me when I was in high school coming up in the sport and he was saying he wanted me thinking about the race a ton when I was training like you want me visualizing it seeing it all the time but he's like then on race week I don't want you thinking about it at all until you start warming up for the race mm -hmm. kind of just like stay away from like being like hyper aware of it always thinking about it and you get to the starting line and you're feeling like drained on the starting line so like what's your approach with at nighttime, I know especially that's kind of a time when you can just it's really easy to let your mind go there and just start thinking about it. do you try and guide your mind away from it or do you allow yourself to still kind of think about it on race week? Yeah, I think you do. Like I think just having certain times like I like to think about it when I'm running. 
that's kind of like when I visualize races best, I feel like is when I'm out there like moving and, um, but then, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like ebbs and flows, like times you can turn it off, sometimes you can't, but yeah, <laughs> it's an art. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so let's go to like a, more like right before the race. All right, so let's say uh, morning of the Olympic trials, you wake up and you're heading to the start line. You feeling nervous during that time? And if so, like kind of how are you managing what's going on inside of you that time? Like, are you like, like, like to put music on and get in the zone or are you like chatting with people or what's kind of, kind of your goal during that time period, like in that morning time, right before uh, you start warming up? Yeah, I like to put worship music on first thing in the morning, which is like what I do every day, not just race day, but just kind of stay in that, um, that state of like today is, is about worshiping God, whether it's the Olympic trials or just any other day, you know, it, it doesn't really change. And, um, and I think just kind of engaging your spirit to, um, is important. So, so yeah, that's kind of what I like to do. Um, and then as the race gets closer, that'll shift more to like, I like to listen to songs that I've like, I've trained hard to, and it just kind of reminds me like, oh, this is just another day of where I like to go out and hammer. Like, that's what I love to do. Like, I don't like to train easy. Like, I like to hammer, and and that's fun for me. And so it kind of reminds me, like, it's just an opportunity to go go push yourself like you love. And I think it's, especially by that point, I'm usually antsy to do that because you've been holding back in training. So it's like sometimes I just feel kind of like the fattened calf, and I just want to, like... <laughs> go run hard like I just want to sprint so um so yeah that that helps shift me into that like leaning forward leaning into the um the pain that's going to come um I'm actually glad you brought up the fattened calf by the way Sarah has the most jacked fat calf abs I've ever seen in my life (laughs) well I'm not saying I literally feel fat but like just like when you're lying around a lot and you're like just eating carbs and kind of like you're not it just your body feels different than how you feel when you're training all the time and active outside of training and kind of like moving around a lot it's like you just feel like lazy and stuff yeah so what do you tell yourself in those moments and i have those moments too when i was tapering where you feel like i'm just eating and eating and eating and i'm not running that much i'm getting out of shape like and you feel like you and you are like putting on a little bit of water weight right because um, extra glucose goes in your muscles glucose holds on to water and so you, you are like gaining a little bit of water weight in the process so in that day before the two days before where you're kind of loading up with carbs and you're kind of feeling this sensation how do you what do you tell yourself in those moments um i don't really tell myself anything but it's just something that you get when you've done it before you just know that's that's what you do yeah so you just know you know it works and so <laughs> yeah like confidently you're like all right i'm gonna get to sprint tomorrow but today i'm just laying around <laughs> yeah 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 and i think that's important to remember is like going back to like this works for me and we know it works right because you've done it obviously in races but you've also like done it in training as well like it's just confidence yeah i mean you can analyze overanalyze everything if you're not confident mm-hmm. before race, you can, oh, I feel a little thing in my baby toe or whatever. Like, I feel like fat or, you know, like those are all 
if you're feeling a lot of those, that's really a reflection of confidence. So that's more at the root of, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. So what if you're not confident? What advice do you give to someone <laughs> who's, who's not confident in what they're doing? Because maybe it's their first time or maybe they're not that good, you know? Yeah. Like, what would you tell someone who's trying to do the right thing but is just not confident? Um, I don't know. I guess you maybe you need a plan that you're confident in. You know, maybe what you're trying to do feels like a stretch from like a stretch goal or something mm -hmm. and you need to set like an attainable goal for yourself of like I like I feel like I can do this I should be able to do this and I don't have to be like a superhero mm -hmm. to accomplish that mm -hmm. yeah I like that uh, and I always tell people too like I remember times in college when I was not running well at all and had never even been in NCAAs and I had to piggyback my confidence off of the fact that I trained with Ian, for example. Or so I'm like piggybacking my confidence off of trusting my coach or an mm -hmm. athlete that I've trained with. So you can kind of piggyback it off people who do have the confidence, who are more experienced than you. So that's why it's so important to like not be going at this thing alone, to have like someone, some kind of community um, to help you in that area with confidence because it's hard to kind of get the confidence going right but once you get it then it's it's like a momentum ball that just kind of builds as you go mm -hmm. yeah I think reaching out to someone else is a good point like because we all struggle with doubts or kind of moments where we need someone to just speak truth or give us a different perspective than we're seeing yeah definitely all right let's uh let's hop into the race um so are you one of those people where the gun fires and all your nerves are gone or do you still have some nerves kind of early on in the race um yeah i think i think there it helps to to get out there and run like i don't feel as many nerves when you when you get to actually move but but yeah it's a different kind of intensity for sure especially like of course like atlanta i feel like the crowd's going to be like so loud and so going crazy and stuff compared to it was even in, a, in LA, but I feel like there's just so much more anticipation for this year. Yeah. Side question that's doesn't really go with what we're talking about, but favorite crowd you've run in front of in a marathon? Don't be political. <laughs> um, I would. I have to say probably the New York City Marathon. That's really hard. I mean, all the majors are really good. Like Tokyo was so good too, but I just can't understand what anyone's saying. <laughs> but um, and. Boston was so good too, um, although everyone was like cheering for Des pretty much. <laughs> it's not as fun if you're not Des, but um, but yeah, I think probably New York was just like so loud, like both times I've done it, and I I didn't make it the whole way this last year, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, New York crowd is good. I guess there's different, right? Like some courses, like Boston, it can be so thick in certain areas and super loud. But then, like early on, it can be pretty mellow. You're running through neighborhoods in Hopkinton and stuff. So yeah, I feel like they just all run a little bit different. All right, let's keep going with this. Um, so let's talk like early on. So let's just break the race up into whatever. Let's break it up into three loops because that's what you're gonna be doing at the Olympic trials. Um, or let's just talk about actually just kind of like some of your mantras. We had a mantra episode a while back where we talked about like our favorite things to tell ourselves, kind of when we're hurting and in pain. We kind of talked about this, I think, a little bit after your Berlin run. But what are some kind of favorite things to tell yourself when times get tough in the race? Yeah, I think um, 
you have to practice that in training like what works for you um like one thing i tell myself is relax and roll especially early on it's just like like relaxing the mind and kind of like learning to run fast but relaxed um relaxing the breathing and stuff and then also i like to tell myself like it's gonna hurt either way so like if you're like hurt like late in the race when you're hurting it's like i can like lean into this pain it's like um and it's still gonna hurt like or i can back off but like it's gonna hurt longer because i'm gonna be out there longer and <laughs> maybe not be as excited about where i'm at and stuff and so um so i like to tell myself that i like to tell myself the well is deep so i got that from terrence my coach in mammoth um and it's kind of like you can just keep pushing like you can keep drawing from that well over and over uh it's just that image of like you have a deep well of strength to draw from yeah i love that because it, it doesn't feel that way that's why i like that one because it's and it feels like there's nothing left there and like your mind is trying to convince you that your body's trying to convince you that so having like a mantra like that where you can kind of flip that around i think is is super super powerful um what about like what are some like physical cues that you like to think about like i remember i used to like thinking about um like relaxing my shoulders as much as i could or mm -hmm. relaxing my like having my hands like brush my hips to make sure i wasn't like hiking them up do you have anything like that like physically that helps you kind of relax out there that you like to think about not really um yeah i, I think i just have like I've started to be able to just like push from my glutes more as I run. So um, I've started sometimes I'll like go to my glutes, like I'll tell myself and that'll like, I feel like those are big muscle groups and you can kind of push harder from them versus like maybe running more from like your calves or something like that, especially as those get tired. It's <clears throat> a good one. Cause we see that all the time with runners. I know like even myself when I was around professional, we just don't use our glutes as much as we should and yet like they're such powerful muscles that we can use and engage so i love that one um all right i'm almost done here just a couple more what would like what's your what what would be a success for you at the olympic trials like you finish like what what do you want to have happened or accomplished or um have gone on inside of you where you're like you can walk away from that finish line just content and be like that was everything I wanted it to be. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, the, the trials is kind of like a do or die top three moment in some ways. Like, that is the goal, you know, to make the team. And I feel like I've prepared for that. I've, I've proven in other races I, I can be there in contention. So that I'll be heartbroken if I don't make the team for sure. But, um, but I, I know that I've prepared the best I possibly could. Like this buildup was definitively the hardest I've ever trained. Um, and I really am thankful I was able to make it through injury free um, because I, I really feel peace that like I couldn't have done anything more to prepare for this course and this moment. Um, so I think I have peace that like like, I know I'm going to bring my A game out there. And, like, you hope you're going to make all the right decisions and stuff out there. And you have to trust your instincts in that. Um, and so I think just as long as I, like, don't make a really bad decision or something out there where I'm really regretting that, then I think I'll have peace that I did everything I could do if, 
because I, I always run as hard as I can. So, um, so yeah, I guess even if the team doesn't happen and and I I run my absolute hardest and and make all the right choices, you you can walk away proud that this is the the most amazing field of American women in history and getting to be a part of that and um, and you yeah just being proud to have um, have been in contention in such a strong field in history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about a strong field. I mean, this is a historic Olympic trials. You know, the quality of women out there racing is incredible. Um, one thing you said though is like, you know, if you make a bad decision out there or something, or you mentioned your instincts, and uh, I think this is something that's important for coaches to remember. Like, like I when I give you racing strategy is like very loose right because i think i remind you all the time like trust your instincts because i don't think i've seen you make a bad decision in a race i can't remember the last time it was you know like your instincts are so good out there and i think that's true pretty true across the board for like people who are really um seasoned like yourself who have been in the sport a long time who have done like a ton of racing um I think that's important for like coaches to remember that like how you coach someone like Sarah is gonna be a lot different than how you're gonna coach like a high school kid, you know, who maybe needs like some more instruction because their instincts aren't quite as well developed. But like I have personally as your coach, like zero concerns that instinctually like you're gonna make a bad decision out there, you know. Um, but I think that's a good thing to, though to remember as an athlete is being a seasoned athlete, especially is being like. I make good decisions, you know, my instincts are good. And uh, another thing I wanted to just kind of double back to that you mentioned was like the fact that you would be heartbroken if you didn't make the Olympic team. And I, I think this is important to talk about, not because, you know, we're preparing for heartbreak or anything like that, but, you know, a lot of people will, most people won't make the Olympic team, right? And like everyone has experienced heartbreak at the finish line whatever if it was in like your middle school mile or the olympic trials or anywhere in between like everyone's experienced heartbreak afterwards so can you talk a little bit about like why that is a healthy response when you've invested as much as you've invested towards a goal and why it's actually okay to be heartbroken on the finish line and how you handle that yeah, I think it's just a function of like really caring about something and taking risk and being brave enough to have goals that are that are hard and it might uh, have a chance of failure, you know, like those are all really important things like versus playing it safe in life and just kind of um, not not really daring to do anything great. Um, so so, yeah, I think it's it's normal to. Um, and it's it doesn't show that you're like caring caring too much about something like you shouldn't be heartbroken you should be able to just get over it or something I think that that just shows how much you care so um, so yeah I think but I think it's like how how you pick yourself back up you know like if that does that lead to like depression and or does that like are you able to just kind of be resilient and be like like you know this doesn't define me and like you can move forward and and get excited about new goals and stuff that's kind of the important uh i think seeing that resiliency which i think that's a skill too that you kind of uh the more 
you kind of go after big things and the more disappointment you experience, you kind of build that muscle. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about like how you kind of, I don't know if you still do this actually, but like giving yourself a time frame, being like, I'm allowing myself to be upset for a certain amount of time. Um, yeah, well, I've just found with myself now, like it just takes me a lot shorter and and not like, I mean, the Olympics only happens every four years. So like I would say the trials would take longer, but um, but normally with other races, so say I guess like the last kind of like bad race I had was like New York City Marathon. I had to drop out because I had like stomach flu going in and my stomach was just killing me and I was feeling really weak. So I didn't really like fail, but it still feels really weird for me to drop out of a race because I've only dropped out of, I think like two other races in my whole life. And it was like when I physically couldn't finish like that. And so it still is just kind of a weird feeling. And so what helps me is like, like definitely that day is going to be hard. Like you just, your mind will just kind of be going all over the place and you'll be frustrated. And, and, and even if you didn't drop out, like you just didn't finish well, you'll be like, what if I'd done this? Could I have done this? Or so it's kind of just giving yourself grace that that's going to be hard to like turn off, but just trying to like be around people that love you and kind of um, just like just doing whatever you can to not have your mind on that, um, journaling, praying. And then the next morning I just wake up and I have some strong coffee <laughs> and I usually go out and run and I remember why I love running and why I love the journey and and how that hasn't changed just by that. Like, and I, I already start dreaming of like what's next, you know, um, this kind of, my approach <laughs> I love that it's like uh, the dream is pulling you forward yeah um, well thank you so much for that and for your time sir I know that was uh, a lot of internal thinking <laughs> some heavy stuff there so thanks for thanks for being with us thanks for sharing that and just know that you know myself as a coach and husband so proud of you you know, regardless of how the race goes. And I think I speak for everyone at the Run Free community who feels the same way. Um, so we'd love to know how we can support you. Um, let's start with people who aren't there. How can they be praying for you? What would, um, yeah, what would that prayer look like? Yeah, I guess just that I can get my, f um, run like to my full potential out there and, um, and it will be a full expression of all I've put into this buildup. Love that, yeah. And then for those of us who are lucky enough to be in Atlanta and uh, on the side of the road, what uh, what can we say to you? What would be the most powerful thing we can yell to you from the side of the road? Uh, I, I love when people are like, you've got this, or you look strong, or any of those things that make you feel like, um, like you're you're doing it you're doing it well <laughs> <laughs> all right cool well thank you sir and uh we wish you your heart's desires fulfilled and um just an amazing race on saturday we will be pulling for you and we're so proud of you thanks, thanks for being with us